0: Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, this morning we are going to continue on in our series uh, on the core and uh, some of you wondered, probably wondered what happened to me. I haven't preached for like three weeks, it seems like. And Pastor Steve got to preach last week, and we had some others here. But we've had some good times and uh, some good uh, ministry. And in fact, last week, we, had, we enjoyed, uh, after Sunday service, we got to go down to the fellowship hall and, and have a, a, a nice meal together. And, and that was a good time. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we enjoyed it and, and filled the place up and just really, really had a fun time. And, and it's nice to be able to kick back and, and sit back for a little while. Uh, I was out on vacation this week, so, I, so this is my first day back, and, and uh, so of course I was here last week, but we had fun to, uh, you can ask my wife about her car, but anyway, so Uh, let's go on we're going to finish here on the core and we're going to look at some very key things for us and today we're looking at Christ the healer I I hope that through this message and a new faith in Christ's power to be able to heal our disease our body our lives will will, encourage your heart and we, we have to trust that as we stand in faith and in obedience to the word of God that, that healing will come to sick bodies. The Word of God tells us over in the book of Psalms, Psalms 103, verses 2 to 4, it says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our sins. And that's a wonderful one. That's a wonderful one. We know that our sins have been forgiven, to know that is wonderful. But he doesn't stop there. And he continues and he says, And heal all your diseases. And he doesn't stop there and he says, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. No better thing to know than we have been redeemed uh, from the pit, that we've been pulled out of where we were at one point in our lives. And he crowns us with love and compassion. This morning, we're going to lay a biblical foundation uh, for understanding G- Christ the Healer. and We'll be dealing with two great areas of divine healing. And uh, we're going to look, of course, at the Word of God and how the Word of God speaks to us and uh, with healing, and also the laying on of hands as Scripture speaks. Uh, and uh, we're going to look in the Old Testament and the New Testament as we kind of walk through this together. And First, we're going to deal with the Old Testament, and we find a lady named Sarah and her husband named Abraham. And uh, God uh, gave this woman a gift. She had been barren, but God chose to minister to her life and bring healing for her and gave her a child. Now, uh, the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 4, verses 18 to 20, as he's looking back on what took place for her, he says this, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him so shall your offspring be without weakening in his faith he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that his that and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Now we know the story, if you know the Old Testament, if you read it, and he, did, he had some challenges. He thought, well, maybe this was God's plan, and he walked through some things, and, uh, but then God said, no, you've got to realize, son, that, that uh, Sarah is the one who's going to give birth to a child. And you are going to have a very special lineage through her. So here this woman, Sarah, she's, you know, 25, right? No, not at all. Her and her husband, they're up there. They are up there. They have to be 90s, he said, about 100 years old. So they have been around for just a little while. And Sarah was miraculously enabled to have a child. And God blessed her with a child. And God used his ability to heal in this case to prove that his promise to Abraham was real. It wasn't fake. It wasn't a figment of their imagination. It was God's thing. It was what God set up. He was making good on his promise that he would make I, Abraham the father of many nations. But God was not willing to simply let Sarah simply be a spectator in what was taking place. was going to prove himself to her life as well and with this the Lord healed Sarah so that she was able to bear children and she gave birth to Isaac in her old age and this healing in Sarah's life helped to sustain the messianic or the the line of the Messiah the line of the Christ Jesus who came to to pay for our sins and the scripture also tells us over in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 11 these words It says, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Who was it that made the promise? It wasn't Abraham. It wasn't somebody else, but it was God who made that promise for them. And so she considered God to be faithful. Sarah trusted God would work in their behalf. And now, at first, if you look over in Genesis chapter 18, verse 12, it said that she laughed to herself about the thought of having a child at her age when when it was first told to her. She she laughed inside about it. And it's like, wait a second here. Uh, but could you imagine? All of a sudden the Lord says to you, and say you're like 50, 60, 70 years old or, or older, and the Lord says, Hey, you're gonna have a kid, you're probably gonna look back and say, Lord, you know what? I'm past that. I don't want to have to chase around a youngin at this age. Uh, and, uh, so, but, but this is what happened. And there was something special that God did for them as he provided a child Isaac. But that's not the only Old Testament scenario that we have. We have a couple others that are really important for us to be able to look at and, and to compare and to relate to the New Testament times and then for us today. First of all, we see Jehovah Rophae. And you say, what is that? We're going to look at that. That's just, it's translated into English for us. But some would say that uh, Jehovah Ropha, the Lord who heals. Some would say it literally means to make whole thoroughly. So let, let's look at the context of what was happening in Exodus here in this scenario. And uh, Throughout the Old Testament, we find God revealing himself through different names and different settings to help his people understand who he was. And we find this in Exodus chapter 15. And after God had brought Moses and his people out from underneath the bondage of Egypt, that he, he took them into the desert and he led them through the desert through a trying time. And, and they followed God's presence in the form of the cloud by day and the fire by night. It's cold in the desert at night, right? And it's hot in the day, kind of like it was last week. It was hot, but maybe not that humid, Right? So here in Exodus, we find that they, they followed God's presence there, and it's here that we first hear the name of jehovah Rophe. Some may say jehovah Rapha, uh, but Exodus 15, verse 22 says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Three days. You know, uh, God's people were in trouble, they were kind of stuck in the situation. They were following where God was leading them. And, you know, it's one thing to go without food. You know, it, it's one thing to, not, have to eat, you know, not be able to eat your biscuits and gravy in the morning. Uh, but it's a whole other thing not to have a cup of water. And these guys, they're out there, and they're out there following the Lord's will, but they were in a very serious dilemma Sometimes I think for us we think that when we're we're living our life and all of a sudden difficult things come our way and it's it's hard to manage through it and we don't know which what direction to take we think well how can this be God's will that doesn't mean it's not God's will doesn't mean that you're not in God's will but we st- still can find things in our path that make it difficult for us and it's in those times that we look to the Lord and we allow our faith to be pressed into Him and not into everything else that's surrounding us. Look at what he says in Exodus fifteen twenty three. It says When they came to Marah, uh, they could not drink water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah, which means bitter. And so the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of of wood, and and he threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. So here you see God's people, they're struggling to survive in the desert, They're, they're getting a little grumpy. Uh, Probably if you were having to work outside this week, maybe you got a little grumpy from all the heat and the the challenges that you faced from that. But but here they're a little grumpy and it was bad enough that they couldn't find water. But when they did find water, they came to a place where the water was bitter. They couldn't even drink the stuff. It was nasty. But the Lord gave Moses an idea. You, You would really think that the Lord would have just said to Moses, hey, just call Lindy Springs. Uh, Call Glacier, uh, a Spring Water, or all, you know, the different ones out there. Maybe they'll bring you guys some water. It's only a million people, or whatever it is. And uh, so, but that's not the way it worked, and God had a different plan. The Lord was still revealing his character to them, and how he would take care of his people, and he is still helping us to understand that on a regular basis. Then the Lord does direct Moses to throw this particular stick into the water, and the, and the water was restored. and He made a way for them to be able to drink this water that in the past was, was bitter. But after the Lord restored the water, he challenged them in verse 26. And this is what he said. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God, And do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees. I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. It's translated from Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. And so God God is saying, I will keep you. So when he restored that bitter water's uh, it, it made a very real. It made a very real need for his people met. He met that need for them by restoring those waters so that they would have something to drink. But like he does in other places, God uses it as a teaching point, and that's what he did there. In some sense, he was saying, "If you will follow me, I will keep you." And for us as followers of Jesus, sometimes we have to recognize that. Our number one thing to do is to be willing to follow him, no matter what we face in this life that we live in. If we will be faithful to him and trust him, we know that He will keep us and he will sustain us. He is good. He is still the Lord, our healer. And he will sustain our lives and help us. There, there's something you can't forget, even though that Israel was following God in the desert at this point, they, they were following his lead. They they were following. Doesn't mean they always had the right attitude, and they didn't. And we'll see even some times it was even worse here in just a second. But but they they still struggled with no water. And sometimes people think that simply because you follow God's will that you'll never have any problems. Well, it's just not quite accurate. But God doesn't always he doesn't always work that way. But when we do face those bitter waters. We know who to turn to, and it's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. We have to look to Him in faith. We have to trust Him. We have to be willing to put our life in His hands, because that's more important than anything. In the Old Testament, we find another significant account uh, that took place among God's people in the wilderness. It's not only uh, significant, it is important for every follower of Jesus uh, it's the account over in the book of Numbers chapter 21. I know we don't have the, uh, the Bible up on the screen for you. You just have to pull out your phone or your, a phone with your app or your, or your Bible. And I know we've been there a little bit already, but Numbers 21, verses 4 to 9, and we see here the bronze snake. snake. And uh, so here uh, it says this in verse 4, it says, but the people grew impatient on the way they spoke against God and against Moses. So, not just Moses, but they spoke against God here and, and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Remember, they had been slaves there in, the, in, the, in Egypt. They'd been slaves there, so they probably had what they needed, at least to the edge of it. And now they're out in the desert. And, and they said, There is no bread, there is no water. And we detest this miserable food. Well, God gave him manna, which meant what? What is it? And uh, so, then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. This is a tough passage. They, they bit the people, and many Israelites died out of it. The people came to Moses. Why? Because they had sinned. They were sinning against God, and they spoke poorly of him. And we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. But they had to look at it. I doubt that Moses... I doubt that Moses or any of God's people at that time really understood the significance of this moment and the act of putting that bronze snake on that pole that day and how significant it was. For them, really, they're probably dealing with the here and now. They're like, we need heal now. We, we need help now. We're struggling now. These snakes are coming at us. We know we messed up. We know we failed God. We know we missed the mark. We know he spoke evil against him and all of these things, but but now what's going to happen? They, they needed relief, but their sins had found them out, and here they are, uh, and uh, we are seeing the bridge to the New Testament and the New Covenant. As I said, Moses probably didn't fully get the long-range significance of this act. Yet lifting up that bronze snake on the pole is considered a type of the coming Messiah of Christ. It doesn't mean that he was a snake, but it's a type. And in fact, these people could choose to look up to that pole in faith and live or they could choose to turn the other way. We don't know. I don't know if any chose to turn the other way. I'm not sure they could have, though. But the bronze serpent was a picture of Christ who would carry our sins and our sickness on the tree, on his own tree. It was many years later, after this account in Exodus 21, that that Isaiah would prophesy what Christ would do for us. And uh, it's the great promise in Isaiah chapter 53. We know there are many uh, messianic promises about Christ who would come. and. But in Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 6, it says this, Surely He took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered Him punished by God, stricken by Him and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His wounds we are healed. Then he goes on there in verse 6 and he says this, like all of us, he says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who? Christ. He laid all that on Christ. Jesus took that to the cross for you and I. And so it's here that we see Christ the healer in the Old Testament as it was prophesied about many years before so let's step into the new testament and see what we see as jesus the healer and see how he he not only himself healed people but he had also people and among him his disciples that healed and so we see jesus first when you start reading the gospels right away specifically into the gospel of mark and we know that the gospel of mark tends to be short and and sweet and to the point And it's there. You're not very long after Jesus starts his ministry uh, do you find that Jesus is healing uh, different problems in people's lives. In fact, you only get halfway through uh, Mark chapter 1 before you see a healing, and Jesus drives out out an impure spirit. And then by verse 29 in Mark chapter 1, it says this, As soon as they left the synagogue, They went with uh, James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew, and Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her. He took her hand and helped her up, and the fever left her, and she began to wait on them. So then after this, we find that Jesus goes on to heal other people and Mark goes on to record in verses 32 to 34 these words, and he says, That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, and the whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. Diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he, he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. He did not, for his own reasons, he did not want them to say who he was as the Messiah at that point in time in his ministry. So the, the accounts of Jesus healing people are too numerous for us to mention. Throughout the Gospels, we see them. We could go through all day and, and just hit every account and talk about them. Uh, but because uh, we don't want you to fall asleep, uh, we're gonna, we're just going to touch a couple things here. Uh, and, but we see how powerful it was and what God did through his son Jesus. Uh, we, we may be here all day if we did that, but, but he healed people with leprosy. He healed the blind and the deaf and those who couldn't speak. He healed epileptics. He healed those with fevers like Peter's mother-in-law. And, and he healed those who were uh, paralyzed and people with withered limbs and dropsy, which is now edema, called edema. And he formed the ultimate physical healing of raising the dead to life like Lazarus. Anytime we talk about divine healing in the New Testament, we have to consider Jesus, who is Christ the healer. And we understand that Jesus is in a category of his own since he is both man and God. Uh, Paul says it this way in Colossians chapter two, verse nine, he says, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Now deity means God. If you look that up in the Greek, it's a very similar form. uh uh, as god so many many people limit what god does to only certain people because of that because jesus was not only god in the flesh uh they'll say oh well that's just him and that's just him doing that but but we could see a different story from what the gospels teach and what the book of acts shows us in other portions of scripture Because he used his disciples to appropriate healing and to see other people healed by the Lord. And so when we look at the disciples, in fact, Jesus gave his his people commands over in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 to 8. He sent out the twelve and he said, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has has come near." Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons freely. You have received, freely give. But Jesus and Jesus gave him a command to do that. And then, but Jesus did not limit who he sent out uh, only to the twelve. It wasn't just them, because if you stop there, you don't recognize that. And sometimes people look at that and say, all oh, the apostles, all those who were his disciples, it was only them, but that's not accurate. Because if you look in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says this. It says, the Lord appointed 72 others, some, say, some translations say 70, uh, 72 others, and sent them out two by two ahead of him into every town and place where he was about to go. Uh, so what, what uh, Jesus commanded, he commanded this group of believer, believers wasn't limited simply uh, to people. Jesus is going to come by, and, and so get ready. He wasn't going to tell them, hey, Jesus is coming by, so you guys get ready. No, he's telling them as well to take care of business. So he commissioned them, and he said in Luke chapter 10, verse 8, these things. He said in that same passage, when you enter a town and are welcome to eat what is offered to you. That's a challenging one, right? You don't, uh, they serve serving mac and cheese, you eat mac and cheese, right? That's a difficulty. Okay, so verse 9, and it goes this, and he says, Heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. See, God was willing to work through people who are willing to be available to God. They were willing to, go, to give God an opportunity to heal. It wasn't just the 12 that later became apostles, except for Judah, Judas. Uh, then, he, then he commissioned dozens after that. And once Jesus was crucified, buried, and raised and ascended, he left the work to the Holy Spirit through the church. And remember, this building is not the church. We are the church of the Lord. It had, This building, this is where we meet. Building or no building, we are the church, and God has given us a commission to reach into the world where we live. And if you think about that, in the beginning, it wasn't just the 12. It wasn't just the 72, because who was in the upper room? There was at least 120, from what we know up there, that when the Holy Spirit came down on them, and they were filled, and then they went out to do the work of the Lord, And so it wasn't just the 12, it wasn't just the big three, Peter, James, and John. It wasn't just the 72, it wasn't just the 120. We look at the early church. The early church kept doing the work. We find some cases of people being raised from the dead. One of those happened in Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 40. It says, in Joppa, there was a disciple named named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Uh, But she was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once, Peter, went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood, stood around uh, around him crying and showing him the robes and the other clothing that Dorcas had, had made while she was still with them. So here, the, these guys, you know, she is taken care of. She's ministered to some of the needs of the people there, and, and she has served, and, and now, now they're, they're upset. And then this is what Peter says in verse 40 here. Peter sent them all out of the room, and then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. So we see the things in the New Testament, what God was doing and how he was using his people and how he was working, and then we even find the apostle Paul, he was preaching too long one time. Remember that? He was over in Troas, and, and we find him there. He was preaching and, and for a long time, and, and uh, Eutychus, one of the guys, he was sitting in the window on the up, upstairs and probably shouldn't have been sitting there, and uh, especially when it was late, and he fell out of the window, and he dies in Acts 20. And uh, he was in Troas, and God used Paul to see this young man raised from the dead. But it wasn't Paul's ability, it wasn't Paul's work, But it was the work and the power of the Spirit of God that lived with inside of him. Amen? And so Paul wasn't even, uh, he wasn't, if you think about this, Paul wasn't even part of Jesus' earthly ministry. Have you thought about that? Think about that for just a little bit. We don't even know if Paul ever saw Jesus before he was resurrected. We know that he met the resurrected Savior when he was coming down the road uh, to Damascus, and he met the resurrected Savior there. But he wasn't part of the Twelve, if you didn't catch that. He wasn't there for that earthly ministry. I don't know if the Apostle Paul actually heard Jesus preach while he was doing his physical ministry on this earth or not. I'm not sure. Uh, Maybe he did. I I don't know for sure. But the the fact is, is... Here he wasn't even with them, but the Lord called him and he met him and he says, hey, you're mine. It's no different than him coming to us today and saying, "Uh, you're mine, I want you to preach for me. It's not any different. So we find this, in fact, that we see something else about Paul. Paul, one time, remember when he was on the boat trip? It wasn't a leisure trip. He wasn't out skiing and waterboarding. Uh, he, he, was out, he was out running down. He was uh, going across the ocean, and he, and he gets to where? He gets to Malta. When he gets to Malta, something very unusual happens to him. They're, it's a little chilly, and so they're going to gather wood, and they gathered some wood, and while he's there, what happens to him? But he grabs a whole piece of wood, and a viper latches onto his hand. That's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> and, and I find it very interesting to what those people said. He must be a murderer. And they were right. He was a murderer. Remember, we know that. It was him that all, the, all these other uh, guys laid their, their coats at his feet when Stephen was being stoned. He was a murderer. He just didn't get the rap for it. God had mercy on him, God had other plans. He had a different kind of prison for him to go into. And what happened to him when he was bit by that lethal, lethal viper, he lived. He shook the viper off and he kept moving. We, fight, we find God doing so many different things. People were stored even, even uh, by a shadow that came across them. But, but you say, what about us? What about today for us? Like in the time of the early church, we need to apply our faith to what God has done for us. So how do we apply our faith to his word well we do it by laying out of hands we obey the word of god and we give god that opportunity we give god that opportunity to minister to us when pastor pam was here and he told the story here a couple weeks ago the missionary that i knew from nigeria by the way he called me yesterday uh he called me and said hey he made it back and he said please greet everybody for him and and uh he was excited to be back i got to talk to his wife she was really happy that he got to come back home <laughs> But remember that story when uh, uh, Muhammad and his wife Benta, when the, they come to faith, well, after, after he came to faith uh, in Christ, he had been a Muslim and, and uh, trusted the Lord, and his dad's like, you know, you know the story. Was good. He said, uh, you sit here and drink this uh, the cyanide poison, or I'm going to cut your throat. You have the option. His own dad. A- a- and then I didn't know much more about him, and, except for being in town there for a while, uh, when I was there and then come to find out when Pam was here that he said now he's in Taraba State uh, in the eastern side preaching the gospel and which I was excited about to know after 20 some years that he's doing that but where did he get the idea that God could keep him because he had heard the word of God you shall drink no deadly poison it shall not harm you out of Mark 16 don't know if we always understand why God doesn't Maybe heal the situation and he does this. or uh, I don't know. That's, that's not for me to choose. That's for God to talk about. Uh, and we don't always know. But what we do have to understand is we need to seek him and put our faith and our trust in him. And we need to give him that opportunity to work in our lives. So many times I think what happens to us is we try to go our own ways. Ah, it'll be good, whatever. We need to look to him. He is faithful and he loves us and he cares for us. We see this out of uh, the book of James. In James, he says this, for he gives us some direction on what we should do in our day and time. And in their day and time, in James chapter 5, verse 13 to 15, it says, is, any, is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. The passage is an important passage to us as followers of Jesus as we look to the Lord and as we trust uh, trust that he will work in our lives, not only for healing in our bodies, but also for the forgiveness of sin. Because you know what? I would rather, uh, I hate to say this, I would rather go home, I would rather die early and be in the presence of God Than to live a full life till I'm a hundred years old and not be in the presence of God. Forgiveness is number one. I would rather live a long life and get to be in the presence of God though too, right? That laying on of hands is that point of contact. It's that bridge from the visible to the invisible. It isn't something that we've created. It's not something that we've drummed up. It's not something that we've made up, but it's a direction of God's Word, and it's very old. It's been around from the very beginning, and this point of contact is not only a bridge to what God wants to do, but it's also a way that you can express your faith in Christ the Healer. As we place our faith in Christ, we can trust that He will restore us. Some may wonder, well... uh, if we pray once, should I pray again? Sure, keep asking. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes people give up. They say, well, you know, I don't know. I don't see any, I don't see any change. But if you look at Sarah's life, God gave the, uh, Abraham a promise, and that promise was for decades. And then finally, when, when, the, when the thing starts coming to pass, then it was another year before she had this promised child. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 11, Jesus said this. He said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This verse 9 is a very important verse here. Which of you... If your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Jesus is saying, not a chance. If you then, though you are evil, what? We're sin- we have sinned, we fell short of God's glory? That's what he's talking about. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? God gives good gifts to those who trust Him. We simply need to trust Him and ask in faith. Give Him that opportunity. We leave the results in His hand. We put that in His hands, but we ask Him in faith, and we don't have to stop asking until we see our answer. You, as a follower of Christ, are an extension of His arm. This is another part of that, friends. You, as a follower of Jesus, are an extension of his arm. As Jesus has said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. We're an extension of Christ into this world that we live in. He also calls us to minister his grace to one another in faith. Maybe you're maybe you get into a situation at your job or or and somewhere in the public or a neighbor or a friend, and you say, well, uh, they say, "Hey, I-, I don't feel good, or I- I'm sick," and, and you say, "Well, wait. We need to call the pastor. No, you need to you need to pray for them. You're an extension of the Lord Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith in Him, you too can lay hands on them and trust God. Doesn't mean you have to get all get all evangelist on them and like wait a second and throw your hand. On. No, you can just put your hand on their shoulder if you have to. God is not limited by that." We need to open our hearts and allow God to work through our lives. We need to bring God back into the marketplace. Friends, we live in a broken and a dying world. And if they don't hear it from you, they will not hear it from anybody. They may hear it from the internet. And who knows what they're going to hear on that thing. You see some really weird stuff out there. We need to make sure that we know what the Word of God says. You say, well, I don't know very much. Well, look at, look at Peter. You may, you, may say, uh, you may say, look, I messed up. I've I messed up since I came to faith. Look at Peter. He denied the Lord three times before he was being crucified right in front of everybody around there. Three times he denied him and even cursed over the deal. But what happened? He came back and made that right with the Lord. And look how God used his life. That's for each and every one of us as followers of Jesus. One person's not better than another. We're just followers of Jesus, and we all need him, and we all need his power. We all need his presence. We all need his grace working in our lives, and we all need to be able to offer that to others in the workplace, in the world. doesn't mean it needs to take away from your job and those kind of things so you can still be a person of ethics and to understand Stand up, standing up, upright, standing citizen, there for them. But as we wrap this up this morning, James said it this way. In verse fourteen, he said, "Is anyone among you sick? Then let him call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord." Maybe it's you that need prayer for that you're sick, not feeling the greatest. Maybe you need to touch from God, or maybe you're, maybe you're asking God for healing in your life, or maybe you just want Him to. Work in the life of other people. Maybe that you need to be willing to step out of your comfort zone. Not only in here, but in the world out there. To be able to reach out to someone else and say, can I pray for you? Be willing to step out in faith. Trusting God to give you that good gift that He has to offer to you. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray with you this morning, and our prayer teams are going to come. And as they come, our our worship team is going to lead us in this last song before we're dismissed this morning. And I want to just challenge you, if you need the Lord's help, you need His healing in your body, then we'll be glad to pray with you. Jody and I will be up here, and the other prayer teams will be up here as well. Let's look to Him in faith. Let's look to Him in trust. Let's ask him to work in our lives. Because you know what? If you ask for bread, he's not giving you a stone. If if you ask for a fish, he's not giving you a snake. He loves you and he cares for you. Father, we pray this morning that you would help us. That you would help each and every one of us as we look to you this morning. We recognize our need for you. We recognize our need for redemption, for forgiveness, for hope. Lord God, we recognize that without you we have nothing. But through you we have everything that we need, Lord. Father, I pray for those who are yet to place their faith in Christ here in this this room. I pray that you would help them, that they would be able to step out of that comfort zone and faith and say, Lord, I welcome you into my heart. I ask you to forgive me and come into my life. Father, you have a plan for them. You have a plan. You have hope for them to offer to them this morning. Father, I pray that you would do a work in each one here. In Jesus' name, amen.